Getting the people going. Someday soon. Isn't that a great? great old track it's a nice it's a nice easy listening music yeah for a sunday like we're recording the show today sunday Mm -hmm. sunday fun day super bowl sunday a beautiful minus 23 in calgary today yeah a little balmy balmy minus 23 a little chilly little chilly out this is like really like the first taste of winter we've had like true canadian winter it's up until this point it's been pretty mild it's it's funny because like there's times when like it was it get down to like minus 10 or minus 12 and it would be so cold because we're not used to it being that cold. But in all realities, that's, that's still pretty mild for a Calgary slash Prairie winter. I've been, uh, we, we, yeah, we barely had winter, so I'm, mm-hmm. I'm okay mm-hmm. with it. You know, hopefully it gets warm again soon, but yeah. And this is like usually do. like token February where it's usually ends up being the coldest part of the year. So hopefully we're on the upside after Valentine's day. I can't tell. I don't know or not if the groundhog saw his shadow or whatever the hell. Man, that's so weird. I saw the video <laughs> of it from the one in the States. Like, just all these guys dressed up in, like, old-timey suits and stuff. And they just, like, let this thing walk around on the platform. And, yeah, how do you know if he sees his own shadow? Like, what's the deal? What's the criteria for the groundhog seeing his shadow? It's kind of a bullshit deal, really. <laughs> it's kind of funny, actually, just think of it. But, I guess so. When it, when he sees his shadow, it's two it's two more weeks of winter or what? Six or more weeks of winter. Six more weeks. But if when he doesn't yeah. see it, it's early spring. I don't know. I'd have to go look it up. <laughs> Not up to date on the groundhog. <laughs> I don't put too much into it. But anyway, anyways, like about it mostly. We're gonna be we're gonna be uh, you know we are, we only got a month left or so. Anyways, tops. Yeah, it's already almost start warming up. Yeah, so we're yeah, lucky. Right. And I mean, you can't rule out an extended winter just because that's the nature of living in Canada and yeah. in the prairies. But most, at least in usually March, by the end of this month, she's starting to warm up again. Yeah, at least by March, we have some hope again. That's the biggest thing. We're supposed thing. to be golfing by April, so. Yeah, that would be glorious. That's that's only two months away. That's April, what I mean. So, yeah, I mean, so you better hope that it warms up in two, right? in two months. We're going to need it to warm up here. So mm-hmm. anyways... Wait, I guess this is cowboy shit with Ted and Wacy. I'm Ted. He's Wacy. This is episode, uh, I don't know, 83 or four or something. I think we're 84 now. I don't. Know, I guess I should go look at our notes, eh? Mm-hmm. I don't even. Uh, I don't even know where we're at here mm-hmm. today. Forgot. I think uh, we're in the 80s. Yeah. Okay. Hold on. Get to the notes. Scrolling down a bit. Uh, 84. Holy shit. 84. I was right. Hell yeah. Let's go. Good work, man. 84. So so. Yeah, here we are. Uh, I guess we right off the top, we better uh, speak to the, the fact that this time around, usually on Super Bowl Sunday, we'd have a big party at HQ <laughs> and have everyone over. The last, It's only been two years, I guess. But the last two years, we've had The Bachelor, season one, season two, trying to find ways to love. No avail. And I don't know, maybe it was like part-time love or like, uh, what do you call that? Like, no, it kind of reminds me of, you know, Urban Cowboy with the song looking for love in all the wrong places that, that song we I, th- I think that that kind of it's a summation of how the bachelors went <laughs> over time you know like it's they were good of... people enjoyed them yeah we had fun but again i was looking for love in all the wrong places so <laughs> <laughs> kind of that, that's a kind of perfect way so that that's, yeah 
I appreciate that. Thankfully, I watched that movie recently, so I had that in the back of my mind somewhere. <laughs> and I also found it was funny. I was I was actually talking to my girlfriend Remy. I was like, I'd like to get the vinyl for um, Urban Cowboy, Cowboy the soundtrack. And so we go to the, the farmers market, the crossroads market, and this buddy set up with a bunch of uh, old records. Records. So we're just flipping through, and like the the third record I find is the the Urban Cowboy Boom. Um, soundtrack. Man. So it's crazy. You ask, and the you shall receive. Right? Yeah, it's, it's pretty. I'm pretty cold. pumped about that. So. Favorite track that all works. off the Urban Cowboy uh, vinyl. What is it? Looking for Love. That's the one. Yeah, it's so good, man. It's a great song. And they play it like four times in the movie. <laughs> 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 but no, it's, it's it's a great, like from like top to bottom, it's a great soundtrack for man, sure. That's a great tune. It's mm-hmm. a great tune. Yeah, a great movie, movie, man. Honestly, your, like, yeah, what's your review of Urban Cowboy? Like, man, like it's watching fun. it like 35 years later after it was, after it was released. Uh, I thought it was pretty good. Just like putting like, it's like western culture i guess in the limelight with like big time actors and like having a big spot like gillies and whatever i wish the it would have been actual bull riding but i get the point of urban cowboy <laughs> but no it's it's pretty good man it's funny i there's some like it's kind of like the same as yellowstone in the sense of there's like cheese to it but like the cheese is what makes the movie pretty good like when he has the the magic the missy and bud or sissy or whatever her name is and bud license plates in the window of his truck and just like silly mm-hmm. stuff like that it's, it's kind of funny or like the bull rider guy when he walked when he first walked in he's wearing that like fishnet shirt <laughs> it's like when he's starting to fight with him that's the first thing i made fun of oh man like man sorry i'm distracted by your nipples poking out of your shirt <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> so just shit. stuff like that but that's the 80s too right so um i thought it was pretty good it's funny it's it's a good movie like i said to get a western culture in the in the limelight like that and Old J old JT's got some moves too on the mechanical bull. Travolta. What a the what part a, when he breaks and he breaks his arm on it is funny too. <laughs> <laughs> Broke my damn arm. Oh dear. Um so, well, and then also I didn't realize that the guy that but like John Travolta's uncle was the old man veterinarian from the ranch. Oh, really? Yeah. It's crazy to see like that guy because I'm like known him as like an old man. But in that movie, he's super young. It was, it was like, cause it, he, the way his mouth is and like the way he talks was super like, I recognize like, ah, who is this guy? So I'd like find the cast and yeah, he's the old man. Veterinarian off the ranch. Dad. Yeah. Well, I guess we have to say the Bachelor episodes were partially successful because if nothing else, they were advertising for future relationships. So <laughs> I mean, and it was fun. I, I think that was like part of it oh, too. Yeah. Was we some always had a blast, Sunday. get some friends together and have some drinks and, basically get to roast me for a couple hours which for the most part i can take i can handle it it was good it was good stuff <laughs> good times yeah so anyways we're not doing it this year Wacy nope. uh was no longer single mm-hmm. so the we didn't have to do the show so i guess that's a win so it's a good thing yeah good thing yeah. that we're not still having to do it for the third year in a row because that would also kind of be that could be not good like red flag almost so we are so, in a good good way that way any so this year, instead of The Bachelor, we brought you probably one of our favorite. This our, our editor Sean Morton said it was one of his top five shows. He thought mm-hmm. on on our end so far. So the guest today, Brett Kissel, pretty uh, pretty cool, pretty awesome show. Great conversation. It, it I want to say it just kind of was just a. It was a lot of fun. It fl- it flowed easily. Like mm-hmm. I, I, we're, mm-hmm. we're learning more about the show and how things work. Um, I, I looked. I did a lot of research on Brett. And I've, I've known about him for a long time and kind of been, 
you know, I remember, I remember hearing about him when he was a kid, like 10, 12 years yeah. old. Like he's like this yeah. prod- music prodigy. Yeah. Oh yeah. But like a guy like Danny Hooper, somebody he worked with for a long time, Danny Hooper's from Tomahawk, Alberta. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, just like kind of, uh, you know, I've looked up our birth dates and we're the same age. We're only about three weeks apart. Mm-hmm. Kind of just like parallel a little bit on, on some stuff as far as, you know, growing up at the same time. So it was, it was an easy conversation that way and, and a lot of fun. Hopefully we got to everything we wanted to cover with, mm-hmm. uh, with Brett, everything he wanted to talk about. It was, uh, it was a fun chat. So we hope you guys enjoy that and uh, hope you check out some deuce vodka at some point. Let us know what you think of it. I'm gonna we'll have to try it. some too. get a review going. Yeah. I don't mind me a vodka every now and again, but yeah, yeah, it was, that was a fun, it was a really fun conversation. It's like, like you say, it's kind of a guy who grew up in the same way that we yeah. did and, it's really cool to see how he's been able to grow his like personal brand basically from staying in Canada and Alberta and basically just doing stuff through his community and at the grassroots level. So yeah, it's super fun. It was super fun conversation and I'm excited for people to hear, hear it. Also an Oilers fan like myself and first battle of Alberta did not go the way of the North, (laughs) but uh, Wacey also won a bet off me. And so Wacey won bourbon. So do you know what the difference between bourbon and whiskey is Wacey? Question. uh bourbon isn't it only made in kentucky uh there's like there's like really certain rules it can't be considered bourbon whiskey if it's not made in kentucky though isn't that true u.s it's it's america it has to be oh, brewed in america oh it has to be america oh i thought it was just i thought it was just kentucky i don't know no. the difference i just know 51 I like 51 corn actually too so you know also you known as maize back in the day because rain makes corn it does and corn makes bourbon. But yeah, so that was a, that was a fun game, man. It was awesome. Super like action yeah. back and forth and, and both so teams did well. Part of the deal. Blasty looked good. He did. That was that was cool. Part of the deal is that I owe you a bottle of bourbon now. Mm-hmm. Not Canadian alcohol, so I don't know. It's kind of a questionable choice of liquor, but I'll let it I'll let it slide this time man, only because well, my old, old fashioned is my favorite beverage, my favorite cocktail. And I've actually really got, got, I've also like like to enjoy bourbon on the rocks too. A little okay. bit of ice. I got the sweet like stormtrooper bullet, helmet ice cube. Bullet bourbon. You're a bullet bourbon guy so far. I've had bullet um, buffalo chase and Elijah Craig. So Elijah I just Craig. Read, I just read this book the other day. It's Green Lights by Matthew McConaughey. That, oh, Matt McConaughey. Yeah, Storm's sister got it for me for Christmas. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So McConaughey has his own own. Uh, oh, Jesus is hard. I can see it. We can see it. <laughs> he, ha- he has his own bourbon. It's called uh, Long Branch. So since I lost, I'm going to be getting you a uh, Wild Turkey Long Branch bottle of bourbon. Hell yeah. I'll lend you the Long book. Branch is, one of, is the name of one of my favorite bars back home. There you go. So mu- it's meant to be. So I'm going to get you a, a, a bottle of Wild Turkey Long Branch. I appreciate you being a man of your word and accepting defeat, bro. <laughs> Lucky Anyways, for you, there's luckily for you, there's nine more games between the two. Nine more chances. We could get into a lot of uh, a lot of uh, booze, alcohol <laughs> by the end of it. But uh, yeah, I read the book, enjoyed the book. Uh, I wouldn't say I'm a huge McConaughey fan, honestly. Like, but but man, have book, you ever seen cool The stuff. Gentleman? No, I haven't. I don't you have, man, you, before the next podcast, you have to watch it. Have to watch it. Well, I want. Yeah. it kind of reminded me of a few movies too, like The Dallas Buyers Club. I want to go watch. Mm-hmm. I want to go watch that one now. Uh, I think Interstellar's another one. Mm-hmm. There's a there's a few cool pieces and yeah a neat neat guy very uh, intellectual a mm-hmm. lot of fun stories uh, grew up in Texas and is back there now so is there he, does, he does like does like a, a lecture at A and M I think he uh, is a professor at the yeah. University of Austin at, okay I think uh, what is it I think it's UT there 
University of Texas in the city of Austin. Yeah. Mm, uh, nice. Owner of the Major League Soccer Club, Austin FC. Yeah, kind of some cool Sweet. stuff. It was a cool story. It was a cool book. Easy read. Uh, read it in like three sittings kind of thing. Like probably five or six hours worth of reading and was finished it. So cool book. If anybody wants to check that one out. Um, but uh, I guess we'll just call this this first half of the show and uh, we'll catch up with everybody after this again. This is Cowboy Shit. Ted and Wacy. I'm Ted. He's Wacy. Thanks for listening to the uh, 84th edition Cowboy Shit. <laughs> we'll be back after this. Yeah, let's go. I spent a lifetime looking for you Single bars and good time lovers What a song, man. Podcast looking so, for you. So good. <laughs> looking for love in all the wrong podcasts. And telling those sweet lies and losing again I Drives me crazy. He's the 2020 CCMA Male Artist of the Year and a Juno Award winner with two gold records to his name. A father of three, he's the new king of Canadian country, according to the Canadian press. Welcome to the Cowboy Ship Podcast, a fifth-generation Albertan and the pride of Flat Lake. It's Brett Kissel. Well, thank you very much, fellas. That's quite quite the intro, and I'm very, very excited to be talking with uh, both you guys today. I, I've got to ask right off the top, the... Uh... The, I read the line about the new king of Canadian country, and then I got thinking about who the former kings of Canadian country might have been. Who, who, uh, who would be on that list in, in Europe? Oh, what a question, Ted. Hot hey, the- you know what? It, yeah, right, right, right off the top. We're just going to dive right into it. Well, <laughs> I, I, I will say that, that when, when I read that article, obviously I was, I was filled with incredible pride, but then I also realized that, holy Toledo, I mean, can there be, I mean, in America, there's only one king. And that's the King George Strait. However, in Canada, I feel that there is an opportunity for there to be many different kings, kings of different eras, and uh, and just kings in general. So as far as I'm concerned, number one in my books for country music in Canada is Paul Brandt. I mean, Paul has won more awards than anybody else. He's got more top 10 singles than anybody else, more success than anybody else. He is a king, and, and you can't take that crown away from him ever he will die a king of Canadian country music. Johnny Reed, as well as far as ticket sales are concerned, one of the first guys to, you know, go be a domestic artist, as I hold up quotation marks, and then play arenas and sell 10, 15,000 tickets at the Saddle Dome or Rexall Place as a domestic artist. Um, That's huge. He's a king. Charlie Major in the 90s, was a king, six number ones off of one album. The only other person who ever got six number ones on one record was Michael Jackson and Charlie mm-hmm. Major. So an amazing king. And then another king of Canadian countries, George Fox from Cochrane, Alberta. Um, some may, may remember him, uh, but he had a string of, of number ones in the 80s and into the early 90s. 
And then the original king of Canadian country music, as far as I'm concerned, is uh, uh, the great Ian Tyson, Cowboy, 1986 Cowboyography album. It's one of my favorite records of all time. And uh, I even did a duet of Navajo Rug with his buddy, Corb Lund, uh, early in my career. So I tip my cowboy hat and I guess my crown, I guess, <laughs> that the Canadian press gave me to Ian Tyson because he paved the way. What's it, what's it like for you to be recognized among those guys? Like you <clears throat> like be considered the king among all these great artists that we've produced in Canada. I, well, I, I mean, it's, it's amazing, but I think that the big thing about it is that I'm still very much in my, in, in my zone and I've got my, my mind focused on a lot of goals and things that I want to achieve in music on both sides of the border and around the world. So I don't know if it'll sink in until maybe I've, until maybe I'm, I'm on the other side of that, of that mountain that I'm climbing. And maybe you guys will be doing an interview with another guy in his twenties or his thirties talking about me, maybe the way that I talk about Paul Brandt. Um, because right now it's like, I don't know, it, it's, it's tough. I don't feel like I'm a part of that, that conversation right now. And I really, the way I grew up with my grandparents, like, don't, don't believe your own hype. Grandpa Bear tells me, you ain't no country <laughs> star on the farm. You know, get your ass out and get to work. So, you know. Cows don't I, care I don't about your gold records, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> they, they sure don't. Yeah, uh, I was interested to find out too, going further back that, uh, Wilf Carter and Hank Snow were both from Nova Scotia. I, that, that one kind of blew my mind. I was really surprised by finding those two guys from yeah. way back. Yeah, you know, huge. I mean, Wilf Carter was big in the 30s and 40s. And um, it was an interesting time for him because he was doing well in, um, in the United States. But they called him Montana Slim <laughs> yeah. and just gave him an American name. So that he would be more uh, appealing, I guess, to to Amer American audiences. Hank Snow had a great circuit in East Coast, in the East Coast of Canada, and into you know Ontario and playing the circuit. But realized quickly that he needed to go to Nashville as well if he wanted to, I guess, you know, swim with the big fish. In doing so, he really developed an extraordinary career, and I know made Canada very proud. He was the first. Um, person to ever be inducted as a member of the Grand Ole Opry from Canada and since then there have only been two Canadians that have been members of the Grand Ole Opry one male Hank Snow and one female and that's Terry Clark um, so it's pretty amazing company they put Canada on the map especially in Nashville I think we gotta we gotta uh, transition over to the NFR and singing the anthem there that was that was kind of the ticket of what what well, how we got you on the show. I, I sent you a message on Twitter after, after that and said, man, we'd love to have you on the show. It kind of, I didn't see it. Uh, like I didn't know you were going to sing the anthem there. I didn't Wayne, Wayne Vold had done it for the past. I don't know how long. And, yeah. and you show up on round eight at this year's NFR in Arlington, Texas, Globe Life Field and, uh, and get the gig to, to sing O Canada. And I had, I had American friends say, man, who is this guy? He, <laughs> he uh, yeah. Did a, we wish you would, would have sung sung the American anthem because because it, it was uh, it was so great. So we got to give you kudos for doing such a great job and thanks for Thank you, you know thanks for doing us proud. But we, we got to talk about that that experience here off the bat. Well, it's interesting how you said you know I didn't know that you were going to be singing it. Well, Ted, to be honest, I didn't know I was going to be singing <laughs> it. I I got a call on on Sunday night from Randy Bernard, who was uh, yeah you know the the producer of of the opening sh uh, and, and just so well connected in the rodeo world and PBR. And Randy and I have been 
friends for a while through Garth Brooks. I'm actually wearing Garth's hoodie uh, today. <laughs> and um, Randy had said, hey, um, do you think you could get to Dallas? And I said, yeah, for what? He said, uh, NFR Thursday, uh, you know, get, get on the plane Wednesday and we'll see you Thursday. <laughs> yeah, I think I, th- I think I can leave the country. I mean, if, <laughs> if Colton, Colton Schmidt can leave the country, I can leave the country. So I, uh, yeah, so I got, got on a plane and was honored to do that. I guess they said that, that was the first time a Canadian artist had done, had done the anthem for, for the NFR, the Canadian anthem for the NFR. And according to some of the people at the NFR, they said they'd like to have me back. So I told them, and I, Vegas, Texas, does matter to me. Count me in. I would love to sing what I think is the greatest song in the world in oh, Canada yeah. um, for the NFR. What was that experience like going, even traveling right now? Like you've probably been to Nashville a couple of times in the meantime, but like just to travel, but getting the call, like that's pretty wild to get a call on Thursday or on Sunday. <laughs> Yeah, come to, come to Texas. Come check it out. Yeah, some of my greatest memories have been things that, that come out of the blue. And so I try to keep my, my schedule open to a degree um, for those kinds of things. Because all my life and all my career, especially the last like five, six years, I have been blessed to have things fall into my lap that I would have never thought possible. It's always been on my bucket list and on my list of goals, you know, as I hold up my camera, like I've got my list of goals there all the time about what I want to accomplish in business and life and music and um, sing at the NFR was one of them. And I've had that for 10 years. I've had that since I was a kid singing at the CFR. And so when I got the call uh, with three days notice, you know what, the whole COVID thing didn't worry me or bother me whatsoever. I figured that if airlines are operating, then they've got to be safe. But at the same time, I've got my stance on the entire COVID issue and, and stuff like that. And, and I wasn't going to pass up an opportunity to go to Texas. And I knew that Texas, as I hold up quotation marks, was a hot spot, you know, for COVID. Um, and a lot of my family members and a lot of my team members were definitely um, even a little upset that I was so gung-ho to go. <laughs> but I went and it was awesome. And, we got great exposure, made some great connections. Looks like we've got repeat offers and opportunities with the NFR. And I came back, I got a test. It was negative. I went and I lived my life and had a great Christmas. So I was really happy that, that I went and I'm really grateful that Randy Bernard invited me to be a part of that. It was, it was a great experience because that global life field, as you said, is like, as you know, I mean, it's huge. It's uh, it's amazing. So I was, I was honored. Had, had you been to the NFR in Vegas before? No, I never have. I've always wanted to go. Mm-hmm. Um, but I always, certain things are really sacred to me and I don't want to experience something unless I'm going to play it because I, I will wind up either getting so jealous or frustrated that I'm, I'm not there. I, I'd love to watch the NFR as a spectator, but it would be way better if I went there as a performer. So I set certain goals for myself and kind of hold myself accountable that I'm not going to go unless I'm on stage. Um, And I've got that with certain things. I've had an opportunity to go watch some shows at Carnegie Hall, uh, but I want to play Carnegie Hall. I've had an opportunity to watch a concert at Fox Theater, um, you know, in Detroit. I don't want to go unless I'm on stage. Uh, A couple of those things. So NFR was that for me. And a lot of my friends that go to the NFR, I know how much whiskey, 
beer and vodka they drink. And my liver just isn't at their level. So I don't know if I survive. We, oh, that's a fact. We have some good stories from Nanofar. That's for you, sure. Uh, you won't get into <laughs> that one right now, Wade. I won't, I won't do that to you. But no, the, uh, thank you. The, uh, Brett, you mentioned Randy Bernard, and I don't know the whole connection there, but I think... From what I think, I think he's working pretty tightly with uh, with Garth at this point. Is he not Garth's manager or something? What what is the connection there right now? That's probably how you met Randy, right? Yeah, for sure. So Randy uh, it, and Bob Doyle manage Garth Brooks. Um, when Garth came back from his uh, you know from retirement and he started his world tour again, the music business had changed significantly. You know, from the time he retired in the early two thousands to coming back in twenty fourteen. Um, Bob Doyle is the classiest, most well-connected, kind-hearted managers in the history of the music business. Everybody respects him. Everybody loves him. It's cowboy ethics through and through. Like his, If he says he's going to do something, he's going to do it. You don't even need paperwork. Um, and that was Bob's and Garth's uh, relationship. As Garth was coming back into things, I believe, this is just only my thought and opinion on it, he brought his friend Randy Bernard to come in and talk a little bit more about branding and the corporate structure. And now you've got to broker deals with Amazon because Garth is only available to stream his music through Amazon, not Apple, not Spotify, not anybody else. As Garth found <clears throat> new uh, opportunities to bring in other sponsors to be a part of the, the tour, Randy was just that guy. So Bob handled this aspect of the business like he always did for 30 years. And Randy Bernard handled that aspect of the business. So Garth now has these two monster managers uh, working for him and working with him. And I met Randy through Garth and doing shows with Garth. I did every Canadian date that Garth did. And Randy is just as, as, as good as it gets. Um, and that's what I love about the Western culture is that I have no idea how much money Randy has. I don't know how many people Randy knows. I don't know any of this stuff because it doesn't matter. He wears Wrangler jeans and a George Strait shirt and a nice belt buckle and a hat. And he could be worth a hundred million dollars for all I know, but he's still as down home as your favorite uncle. Like he's just a hell of a guy. So I got nothing but great things to say about those three. Bob Doyle, who managed me for five years, Randy Bernard, and, of course, the great Garth Brooks. I'm surprised uh, Randy's not wearing a Garth Brooks shirt. I thought Garth had a deal with Cinch. What? <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I think he does, but I know that Randy – I didn't know that Randy – but, of course, Randy knows everybody. I didn't know that he had done a lot of work with George Strait. So um, that was really cool, sitting at the NFR beside Randy – we were watching, you know, the Bronx and watching, you know, bulldogging and everything like that. And I was peppering uh, Randy with a bunch of uh, stories about George Strait. And I just, I just think it's so cool. All the guys who have mixed rodeo and the Western way of life with their music. And uh, yeah, so George Strait and Garth are two big heroes in that regard. We, uh, we were kind of joking around before the show, uh, trying to think of, think of some different stuff to ask you. And we were thinking that, Garth Brooks has probably got to be the most famous person in your phone. We were thinking like who we had, like, <laughs> like he literally Brooks was at the, at the inauguration for the president. Like that, that's gotta be like the highest, the most famous person you probably know. Is it? Yeah, probably. You know, it's when, when, you, 
you know, if I lost my iPhone, it would kind of suck for a lot of people. But, uh, <laughs> <clears throat> and, and the whole thing, like the six degrees of separation, you know, there's, there's a guy that, that uh, uh, a lot of people in, in Canada know in the sport world named Bob Stedward. And Dr. Bob Stedward is probably one of the most interesting people I know. And he managed me for a number of years. He was big into the rodeo uh, world, but he invented the Paralympics. So he invented the Paralympics. He has worked with people with spinal cord injury and people with, you know, uh, amputations. And he realized that these are incredible athletes. So Bob Stedward formed a committee and got everybody behind and all of his international work. And, you know, he, he was a professor at University of Oregon and, and, and um, you know, was, was on the Olympic Committee, International Olympic Committee, and said, this is BS. We need to do something for Paralympians or call them Paralympians and create all of this. So he did and now has been to almost every country in the world. He's from Edmonton, just became a companion to the Order of Canada. You can be named to the order. Then you become an officer of the Order of Canada. And then only if you were like a former prime minister can you become a companion to the Order of Canada. Bob Stedward this year is 75 years old. He's a companion to the Order of Canada, but he knows the Queen. There's a photo of him <laughs> showing Princess Diana around Edmonton during the Commonwealth Games. And Bob is not a very tall guy. So as Bob, you know, is ushering Princess Diana, you know, he's got his hand on the small of her back as he introduces uh, her to um, the Prime Minister of Canada at the time. But his hand is actually on her butt. And <laughs> it's a great photo that's framed. <laughs> Dr. Bob and his hand by accident is kind of caressing Princess Diana's uh, you know, backside. And so I think to myself, that's probably the most interesting guy I have in my phone because of the stories. Like when Nelson Mandela passed away, Bob was there at the, at the funeral. Like it's, he knows everybody. And he's a guy from Edmonton. Go figure. Wow. That's so cool. You meant, you mentioned you're, you're playing uh, all the Garth Brooks's Canadian dates. Wasn't that a matter of like happenstance and like he was like looking for an opener and somehow you, you in line of that gig. I remember seeing yeah, on social media. So yeah. Yeah, a couple of things kind of funneled into that. I mean, I've been managed by Bob Doyle for four years at the time. And I told Bob, I said, I've got two goals working with you. Goal number one is I want to get a record deal in the United States. Goal number two, I want to open for Garth Brooks. He said, well, I can guarantee you one of those things. I can guarantee you the record deal, but Garth, that's up to him. And I thought he was going to say the opposite. So it's interesting. I, while I was with Bob, I actually never got a record deal but I ended up getting the opportunity to open for Garth. So Garth was doing a show in Regina, Saskatchewan and Saskatoon for the uh, uh, teammates hospital. for kids, the hospital, the child life zone. So what Garth did is it was $5,000 a ticket for 200 people, boom, a million dollars raised. And so he did that in Saskatoon and Regina later that day. My friend Brett Wilson was one of the big donors of the event. So he donated a million dollars to the show and he talked to the staff and said, um, Brett Kissel is going to be one of my guests. Why don't we get Brett to sing a couple songs as people walk in? And so it went to Garth's people and who was Bob Doyle. They said, yeah, I approve it. And so as I'm singing, 
Garth is backstage and I'm just entertaining for 15 minutes, four songs. And at the end of the afternoon uh, in Saskatoon, Garth said, I heard about you and uh, through Bob. And I said, well, great. And you know, what a pleasure to meet you. And he said, uh, no one knows this yet, but next year um, I'm playing in Hamilton and we'll probably do four or five shows there. Would you like to open for me there? Uh, yep. <laughs> so I didn't know when the dates were because Garth only, uh, he only does these shows with about a month's notice. So that way it's kind of a quick demand for tickets and it's the biggest thing in town. So I had no idea when it was going to be. So January 10th of 2016, um, I'm in the hospital. My, uh, you know, my wife is about to have our baby and, um, or has an appointment or something like that. And I got a text from Bob Doyle. He said, yeah, so Garth's going to be uh, in Hamilton in March and uh, we'll see how tickets go, but uh, bring your guitar and we'll see you there. That was it. <laughs> like no contract, no nothing. I just showed up to the arena <laughs> in March, literally walked through the back door and now, oh, yeah, your name's on the list. I'm Brett. And, and I say, and I've done like guitar. 25 shows with, with Garth now. Wow. Dang. That's crazy. That's totally wild. And, you, and you've had opportunities to play with like Brad Paisley and stuff too. I remember seeing you at Cowboys tent one year with Brad Paisley. It was great. Yeah. And, and, and Brad is, is equally as, as great. He's, he, he's really become a, a great friend, even in some ways, a, a closer friend, um, you know, than, than Garth. I speak to Brad on a, on a more regular basis and he's just, he's just the coolest guy. That's a guy who knows everybody and has done everything. And he's so humble. Like you, you just wouldn't even, you wouldn't even think I, I, that's, that's the best part about it. You meet so many people, I'm sure you guys in, in your line of work that have done really well. And sometimes it seems the more famous you are, the nicer you are. <laughs> it's uh, everybody who's kind of in the middle that can kind of have a bit of an ego, but Brad Paisley just doesn't have an ego. And maybe that's why I love him so much. To having, having guys like Brad Paisley and Garth Brooks, like in your back pocket, has that helped? Uh, by breaking into the U.S. that way, or has it kind of been organic on your end of things? Well, it's both. You know, there's certain elements of of, uh, of organic nature that you need to succumb to, and you need to just build that fan base the best way that you can. But there's no denying having an opportunity to, you know, be taken under uh, Brad Paisley's wing is pretty great. I remember he gave me an opportunity to open for him in Indianapolis. Actually, I opened for Chris Young, and um, and then Chris for Brad Paisley. And just because of that, you know, a couple stations in Indy started playing my music. And just because of that, it started to get more notoriety throughout the United States because, wow, can you believe it? Brett Kissel, someone I've never heard of, is getting played in Indianapolis. And so it really starts to snowball from there. You just needed a break. You know, a guy like me just needed a break. And I'm really grateful that Brad gave me one of those shots, you know? You, you mentioned that, but we like going back, I remember, I don't know when the first time I would have heard you on the radio or seen you somewhere, but I think what the first memory I have of Brett Kissel is probably at an event at the Canadian finals rodeo. I'm going to say like 2004, maybe somewhere oh, yeah. in there, maybe five or six, but there was the, like the river city roundup. And I think Corb had a show. And I think, I don't know if Danny Hooper was the host or if he was there or what the story was, but I remember you saying, 16 tons by Tennessee Ernie Ford. And that was like, that's like the first memory I have of, of Kissel. I, I, th I think that's like you, but you busted your ass at, at all sorts of stuff for, you know, the last, the last 20 years, essentially. 
to get to where you've got, you've got a couple of good breaks, but like, that's, that's where it started. The, like that kind of stuff. Right. Well, I guess a lot of it is, is work ethic and just never turning down an opportunity to go out and play. And I love those, those moments and those memories um, hanging with guys like Corb who took me under his wing and taught me a lot about songwriting and, um, and those opportunities with guys like Danny Hooper and playing at the CFR. That was my favorite week of the year. Every November around Remembrance Day, playing everything that the CFR had to offer, every chili cook-off, every pancake breakfast that a tower in Edmonton was hosting the River City Roundup. Bob Stedward was a big part of that. You know, he's the pre- he was working with CPRA for a long time. And I, I felt very, very lucky. And also, um, as a guy in my teens, I got to do um, the Miss Rodeo Canada uh, pageant. <laughs> um, from the time I was 12 to about 19 or 20, I got to perform at those. And they were a lot, they, they were so much fun. You know, I, getting to hang out with rodeo queens and stuff like that. It just, it was, it was, it was pretty good. <laughs> was that the Friday, like the, the fashion show one, or was this fashion the actual competition? Off the the fashion show gets yeah. a lot of <laughs> I remember playing the fashion show. I was 14. So it's 2004. Yeah. And everybody, every lady in that crowd, because it's only the cowboys that are kind of the servers. A lot of the cowboys would, you know, obviously be the models and walk the runway. And then I'd entertain and I remember a lady and I was 14. So this is, <laughs> if this happened in this day and age, you would have made front page news. And like, whoever this gal was, like would have been thrown in jail. But she, she's like, I'll give a thousand dollars to the charity if you take off your shirt. So I did. <laughs> so I, and I played Pretty Woman by Roy Orbison without my shirt on. And I mean, oh, I'm dear. a 14 year old. Like, and I wasn't like, like either a rodeo kid or a hockey kid who had a great body. I mean, I was a guy, I was a Ukrainian. I ate pierogies every day. And so <laughs> I took off my shirt and made a thousand bucks for the charity. It was awesome. <laughs> oh man. Well, that's awesome. That The CFR was the first time I remember seeing, seeing your, seeing you play and being at one of your shows. And then we go uh, a couple years later, I think I was like 16, 17 and we're, it was the Canadian college finals rodeo. And you, I think you were either doing the anthem or you were, had a show after it was at Northlands. Like it was still a Northlands yeah. in March. Yeah. And Hall D. Yeah. I yeah, remember. Yeah. So we were, I remember a friend of mine, actually, I think it was somebody you might even know Matt Kaprowski from, he was from St. Paul. He's about yeah. he's probably a year too older than us. So Matt and I were riding bulls at the time and we found this sweet dressing room in Hall D like underneath the, the stage, like underneath the stands. We're like, Oh, Matt and I found this room. We're like, Oh, this is sweet. And then we get uh, this Northlands person comes in and they're like, Oh no, uh, you guys can't be in here. This is Brett Kissel's dressing room. So then we had to take our bull ropes and go somewhere else to get ready because it was Brett's dressing well, room for the for the show. <laughs> well, sorry guys. I mean, had I known, I would have had you there. Yeah, I remember Matt Kaprowski and I in the games room in uh, St. Paul Regional High School. He and I were traveling. Like come come April May, he was gone every weekend and pretty much every Thursday, you know, to head out to a rodeo. And I usually was going to some of the same rodeos because I was playing the rodeo dances on Friday and Saturdays as a teenager. So he and I connected in, in that regard. Like, I wouldn't say that we were, we were best buddies by, by any sense, but I always, I always respected him and thought he was super cool because I was a guy who loved the Western way of life, but I was more of a, I mean, we rode steel horses. I mean, we were on quads chasing cows. We kind of had a feedlot operation and a cow calf operation on our farm. And he's a guy busting his ass riding bulls and you too, Ted, like, so I, I wish I could have had a beer with you guys uh, <laughs> at the you know, time. Yeah. Back, back backstage. I remember it was Friday, <laughs> March 9th. 
Oh, that, really? That, uh, yeah, that, that show. event. Well, and, and Matt, yeah. he still, uh, we might be in the same boat because he still has a pair of my boots and some spurs from a long time ago. So I don't know. I never got them back, but <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, going... well, sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say, if he's got a, he's got a pair of your boots. Was he, was he over, over at your house with, with one of your cowgirls or something like that? <laughs> <I didn't know. laughs> he had to make a quick yeah. getaway or what? I, I lent him a pair of these spurs and, and a long time ago, but. Anyways, he, he made some good rides, so he he got his money worth out of him. But the uh, the going back to some of those those uh, rodeo dances and stuff, there's got to be some fun stories from back in the day on, on like you know the Harry Hill rodeo or Two Hills or you know. Saint and I got a good Harry Hill rodeo finals. story for another time. There's got to be some. Oh, places well, in there. We we should go we should go around the horn and we should uh, <laughs> we should talk about those. I'll 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 say mine first that I I remember playing his day. Um, I played the Dewberry Chuck Wagon dance. Okay. And um, home of the Benz Millers. <laughs> yeah, home of the Benz Millers. So I'm playing their Chuck Wagon dance. And um, during the third set, and we always play three sets from nine to one, I'd play from nine till about 10 15, take a half hour break, 10 45 to about uh, 12. And then I would play a short one, and I'd always go a little bit longer. Um, and I'd play from like 12. 15 to 115 during that 12 15 to 115 set is where we played more of our rock songs the rock covers like sweet home alabama and take it easy by the eagles or brown eyed girl and and some of the real you know dust like dust on the bottle and brand new man was in previous sets uh the country stuff and now we got into the rock stuff here for a good time uh you know all those taking care of business great canadian classics so I'm playing a couple of rock songs in a row and a tall uh, cowboy yells at me to play <laughs> some effing country music. Ooh. And was he a Benz Miller? Did he try and fight you? No, well, hey, I'm, 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 hey, he wasn't a Benz Miller, but I'll, 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 I'll get to it. <laughs> so, so he yells at me and I, I'm, you know, I'm, uh, what, I was seven, 16 I'm, I'm on the microphone and I said, hey, you know what? Uh, I will play country music all day long. Let me finish this one uh, and then I'll, I'll, I'll get to it. And uh, uh, an indigenous guy, it, you know, he comes up to that cowboy and he says, mind your own effing business or something like that. And, and, and kind of comes to my defense. And then the cowboy takes a swing at this guy and knocks him out. <laughs> Oh, no. Well, then about a dozen guys from and, and they're all, I think, from from Onion Lake or Frog Lake or Fishing Lake come and they, they jump the cowboy. And so boom, 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 about a dozen guys are, are, you know, giving it to the cowboy. And then all these other cowboys come out of nowhere because this is, this is their friend. So it was literally it was two groups of people of different backgrounds. And they're fighting each other. And it was like <laughs> 20 versus 20, like, like nothing I've ever seen. And they're, and they're like beer bottles smashing. Like there was not enough security. The RCMP were called. We had to call our set. We were done. There, there, a guy comes up onto the stage and does like a flying elbow. Like I'm talking like this was like a movie. So Tony, Tony Noel, my, my, my bass player, and like the band leader, he pulls me by the scruff to kind of save me because guys are like taking my mic stands and are like, <laughs> I'm, I'm talking, this was a brawl of all brawls. And then that was it. 
well, it turns out that I need to get paid at the end of the night. Ooh. And one of the guys that was in the brawl was like, I don't know, the president of the association or something <laughs> like that. Oh, no. He's kinda, That's so funny. He's, his teeth are rearranged and he, he's seen Tweety Birds and like he can't write a check. So now, oh, no. <clears throat> so now we're looking for his, his wife to, to sign, you know, at least sign the check and, and help me get paid. Like I didn't have an agent. Like I called and booked all these gigs myself. It was like 2,500 bucks, five guys, five musicians, we each made 500 bucks. And <clears throat> that's the way it was. And I, like, it took me like a couple weeks to finally have this guy, like, I don't know, just, you know, call me back and, and, and pay me what I was owed. But <laughs> I was a Dewberry chuck wagon dance. You were in a, in a early start of the fight. <laughs> yeah, just because. Through, through the music. <laughs> yeah, the cowboy didn't want the rock and roll. The guy from Frog Lake wanted rock and roll. And then they just had a giant fight. And it was like, we were caught in the middle of it. That reminds me of the time when I was in Brandon at the uh, Manitoba Rodeo Cowboy Association finals. And we're at the bar yeah. after. And two like massive, like, big, huge dudes got into a fight over which brand of tractor was better. Like, one guy was, was New Holland and one guy's Massey Ferguson. And this absolute units just going at each other on the dance floor. It was some of the funniest shit ever, man. Like, oh, like, only in Brandon Manitoba. But would you have guys fighting over tractor brands? Oh, <laughs> that is awesome. The that Dewberry, really is good. The Dewberry dust up. That could <laughs> the be yeah. You know what? If anybody could could turn that into a great country song, it'd be Core Blunt about a That's dust true. up in Dewberry. That's a great idea. Right? <laughs> well, I have yeah. to let him know. Some re- he, get some residuals. Yeah. Holy. Wacy, what? So your your story is the, the tractors and Brandon? I don't know. Well, I don't know if I, I, I have I remember back when I was a kid, like my dad was wild horse racing in, in Harry Hill and he was on a team with like my two uncles. And like, there was a, this was at the time when like wild horse racing was still part of the CPRA and like it was, it was pretty big. So there's events all over like the country almost and in the States. So my, this is the year after my dad and his team, like won rookie of the year in, in Canada and all that stuff. So we're at, we're at Harry Hill and these guys, my dad's team like wipes all the local teams and, and wins the buckles and all the money and stuff. So I'm too young to be in the beer guards, but they go into the dance after and have some beers. And I guess, all of the local boys start surrounding my one, my one uncle Jeremy around in the beer gardens, kind of getting out of them for kicking their ass in the wild horse race. So all of a sudden Jeremy takes off his new buckle. He just one whips it at these guys. And if you want it, you can fucking have it. And starts this massive brawl in the, in the beer garden of Harry Hill rodeo. And I, my dad's never been welcomed back him and his team. So Holy. it's a good time. At the Harry Hill rodeo. Harry when, Hill you go rodeo. Down, when I travel East back to St. Paul every weekend, when I go home to my farm, um, we travel uh, that way. We go north at Mundare and we go east on the highway. We go down the giant hill at Harry Hill. Yeah. Good memories. St. Paul, Paul was my first ever Alberta event back in the day. The how, how did you do when, when you were there? Uh, I, think I made the short round. I think I got, I think I ended up like fourth or fifth that day. It was yeah. good. Had a nice easy one. You know what I've always wanted to do? And my wife, Cecilia, just thinks I'm crazy, but I thought if I, I thought if I wore a hockey helmet and if I had enough, you know, bullfighters around me and an ambulance ready, <laughs> I'd love to, I'd love to ride a bull. Okay. I've always wanted to. And I know that you guys are probably rolling your eyes and thinking like, there's no, you got to no do it, way. Yeah. We can make, I, we are I, guys I love, can make it happen. We can yeah. do this. So I, I'd love to do it. Head. And I mean, I think if, if I, if I wear a neck brace, and stuff like that. Like, and this is the year to do it because I got no gigs. So even if I bust my arm, I can heal. Like I think to myself, like, 
I mean, if Tim McGraw went 2.7 seconds, I just want to go 2.8. <laughs> that's, we can, that's we can get, we do, know right? some people. You're, t- yeah, you're talking to the right this. guys. We can make we this can happen. Do this. And I don't want a feisty even. steer. Yeah, exactly. Like, I, I don't want to go on some, some feisty steer. Like, no, I just want to – I, I, I want a bull. And, I mean, I hope he's not too, too mean or anything like that. He'll just buck me off and go on with his day. That's <laughs> the bull I want. I'm not good enough to go on one of the – one of the big Maybe. guys from like when Chad Ochocinco yeah. said he could ride a PVR bull at the elite level and he got on like one work. of the best. <laughs> Didn't did go well. Like, yeah, yeah. Did not go. We got, we got to do in the off season when Ebbs is available I and mean, get him out. Yeah. Cause he wanted to he'll get on. He'll probably want to be there I know to watch he, at the very least. Well, here's the thing is he, he and, and Scott Schiffner are, are, are good, are good buddies. And, um, uh, he, he's been buddies with, well, a bunch of guys at, at stampede and stuff like that. And, um, yeah, I just think it would be really, really cool. I don't think the New York Islanders would allow him to do that. <laughs> say, you know, could you imagine if he tears a couple ligaments oh, in, his, no. in his shoulder or something like that? But me, oh. that's Here, one of those hey, things. Here's my, probably... I have an idea for this. Yeah. I have a vision. So, you, okay. so okay, no pressure on you. You got to write a song called Dust Up and Dewberry. Yeah. <laughs> we will With line the... up the bull, the environment, the bullfighters, the equipment, everything you need. And then we will shoot the Dust Up and Dewberry music video while you are getting on a bull. 100 percent that's perfect and that's and that's one of those things that we don't tell my record label until no. after it's done yeah you do it or or we can spin it as an ad campaign for your vodka company yeah you got to have a shot of deuce and then get on the bowl you want some rugged vodka you, our owners are rugged boys look at this yeah oh, what a great marketing strategy this we, is we great have- we had an idea to like get suit jackets and then like be ready to give you the full stepbrothers uh, pitch when you got on the Zoom today <laughs> about how That's to like right. be like cowboy shit, the official podcast of Deuce Vodka and like do the whole thing. We, uh, we, we chickened out. Investors, possibly you. Possibly you. <laughs> Security, black leather gloves. <laughs> yeah. oh, it's, it's, my fa- it's my favorite movie uh, of all time. I oh, just, me, me and my cousins, like sometimes well, at Christmas and stuff like that, we talk in stepbrother quotes, <laughs> dumb and dumber quotes, happy Gilmore quotes <laughs> and, uh, and Borat quotes. So oh, yeah, no one can take us seriously. Cause we just talk about, I mean, Will Ferrell is a God. And so is John C. Riley. Just love those guys. Your, we, your story about Dewberry, the Dewberry fight reminds me of the scene from Anchorman when they get in a fight and Brick <laughs> kills, kills the guy with the trident. Yeah. <laughs> Brick, you're, you're going to have to lay low for a little while. I killed the guy with the trident. I killed the guy with the mic stand. Oh, yeah. yeah. You're literally, some guy takes takes the mic stand from my fiddle player and uh, just just goes two hands. like it's. Oh. It, it was literally like a movie. That's why we... <laughs> We got the hell out of there. Holy small town rodeo cabarets, man. That's where all the crazy shit happens. We uh we better get this train back on the tracks here. We had a whole bunch of notes about stuff we wanted to talk. <clears throat> I have a I have a burning question. Uh okay. the given with all like your experience with like Garth Brooks and Brad Paisley and all these guys, like what's the most ridiculous rider you've came across? I love I love hearing about that stuff. Or like the most like or the most badass what, rider. Or what's the weirdest one thing on your rider? Yeah, it's a good one too. Ah, great, great questions. Um, you know, what's very interesting is that usually the bigger the artist gets in country music, the less of a rider they have. It's so minimalistic because they're, because this is really interesting that actually costs the event thus costs the artist money. So the more extravagant you have it with this fancy wine and all of this food and everything like that, so much of it is a wasted and B 
costs so much. If, you, if you've got this staff, right, you've got your eight band members, your 20 crew members, your 50, uh, you know, uh, riggers and everything like that, you're traveling with 70 people. Well, you've got to feed these 70 people. So, so you're just going to do standard catering that's good, healthy, and that's that. When, when you're Garth Brooks, you're not actually spending time in the arena much or Brad Paisley, you're flying in private from Nashville at 5 p.m. You land at the venue at 5 p.m. or the city. Wow. You get to the venue for six. You do meet and greet at seven. You're on stage at eight. You're done at 10. You're in the private plane at 10, 15. You're home by midnight. And then you do it again. So there's no time for riders once you get to that level, which is an amazing level to get to and something that you know, I aspire to get to hopefully one, you know, one day too. That said, there was a few stories <laughs> that Kevin Bushy, my tour manager, um, talked about in the day when he was doing some additional work as like a, a local crew guy um, with the big hair bands of the 80s. These were guys that didn't fly private. These were guys that were on the buses and tearing it up and were, you know, spending 20 to $25,000 a night in the stuff that they had backstage and guys who had pyro on their riders would have the most intricate and extravagant things in their hospitality riders for a specific reason, not for excess. If they said, we want M&Ms, but no orange M&Ms, it would actually be because if they got to the hospitality rider and got to their dressing rooms and like the manager saw that there were orange M&Ms, this is hypothetical, but this is the story, that there were orange M&Ms, it meant that they didn't read the rider properly, which meant that there's a very good chance when it comes to the technical and the safety of the pyro that they were wanting, that if they didn't read this through, they probably didn't read this through. So they would double check and that would be a sign for them to double check that they had all of their I's dotted and their T's crossed. So Kevin would be the guy that would go through, if they didn't have everything lined up, he would be the guy to go through with the local crew and lead the local crew and say, all right, looks like you guys didn't follow this step-by-step and here's why you need to. And this is what we need to do because the last thing that they want is an explosion to kill Bon Jovi or an explosion (laughs) to kill 10 people in the front row. Mm -hmm. So it was actually that serious. And I always thought coming up, through the ranks that was super excessive and only Mariah Carey would do something like this. Like if it's not Chateau Neuf de Pop red wine (laughs) from year 2009 vintage and autographed by the winemaker named Marcel, whoever, then I'm not going to play the show. That is like pop excessive, but in rock and roll, it actually had a bit of a method behind the madness, which I always thought was really cool. That's super cool. But the, my favorite like rider I've ever heard of was when uh, Eric Church played the CCMAs. It was I can't remember what year it was, but the only thing he asked for is like, a bottle of Jack Daniels, which I thought was just super cool. Yeah, it's, sometimes that's all you need is a bottle yeah. of Jack. Yeah, <laughs> no, no doubt. My yeah. my rider is is pretty 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 simple, and um, we really dislike waste because we've seen so many catered meals just go down the tube. So what we ask is 
for everybody. And some of my guys are on, a, on, a, on this diet or that diet or are going to fast for the day. So we actually don't have catering. We have a dedicated two-hour period where all of my band and crew will go and eat whatever they want. Also, we get to try incredible local food. So we just say, hey, uh, whatever you're going to spend on catering, cut that in half. Give us that money and we'll distribute it to our guys. And then we'll just go and, and do our own thing. So, it, and my wife likes to cook on the bus too. So like we're, we're minimalistic in that regard. There was one funny question with when you're, since you're buddies with, uh, with Garth, do you ever text Garth any funny memes that like, are you guys on that level? Like we're, we had, I gotta ask that. No. One. And from, from what I understand, I guess he, I guess he's not too fond of the memes on Instagram about, uh, Garth Mall or uh, <laughs> those are so fucking funny. Or, or, you know, or uh, Darth, Darth or Brooks. Darth Vader, <laughs> you know, Darth Brooks, and <laughs> you know, it's yeah, it's 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 one of those things. Like, and and I don't know, like yeah, I guess uh, according to his band too, that uh, yeah, you 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 don't bring those those things up. You know, Garth Garth's got a heart of gold. He doesn't understand why. Like Instagram culture just decided to, to pick on them all of a sudden, and, <laughs> but it is what it is. You know, he, he lives on the farm and, you know, enjoys his life with his kids and his grandkids. And it's like that, like he's like Christopher Walken. He's like everybody else. But once he puts on his pants, he makes gold records, you know? So, yeah. The, I wanted to get to, uh, you mentioned earlier about climbing the mountains and your goals that are on your wall over on, on your right side. What, what are, what other goals are on, are on that list? Where do you want to get to in, in the U S you're, you're 30 years old uh, and you're, you know, the Canadian press is calling you the, the new King of Canadian country. What, 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 you've got a long ways to go in the music business really still. What, what are the, what does that look like? What do you, what do you want to do? A lot of it has to do with, with people to meet and shows to play. And if I can really start to travel extensively in the United States in the coming years, that would just be amazing. There's some great opportunities, I think, that will come our way um, to open for some really great acts, uh, some friends of mine in the business. And we just need the opportunity to take our music stateside um, with our team members down there. Um, we know that our music that we've released up here, songs like Drink About Me, um, I mean, it's like at 40 million streams, and most of them are actually from the United States. So we feel that we're right on the cusp of, of um something that's going to snowball uh, in the United States. And I think the sky's the limit. I mean, my goals are about venues I want to play. NFR was a big one. Um, I really do want to, you know, get an opportunity to, uh, you know, go to the CMAs and the ACMs as a performer. I've not done anything at the ACMs yet. I've attended quite a few CMAs. Um, but it's just hard for me to be in the crowd when and I know I want to be up on that stage. So for the CMAs, that's fuel to the fire. For the ACMs, I'm just at the point now where I'm going to wait it out until I get a chance to, you know, maybe play or present on stage or walk the red carpet. Um, I, I just want to play some of the great cities. Uh, I've not been to Boston um, yet, and I want to play there so bad. I want to play in New York City some way, somehow. Um, Texas, I want to play all the big honky-tonks. I want to do the circuit that George Strait did in the 80s and play everywhere. Um, like he did and do the circuit that Garth did in Oklahoma city um, and, and the state of Oklahoma. That's what I want to do. So I think that's going to happen in 2022, 2021 things are going to be shut down. Uh, I think to, to a degree again, 
but 2022, 23, 24, 25, for the rest of my life, I just want to go out and play and make up for the two years that we're, that we're going to lose now. What does it take to do that though? What are the next steps for you to get into those next spots? Is it, is it this new record deal with, was it, is it Verge? I think I read. Yeah. Yeah. So Ver, Verge Records um, has come on to, to be a partner as far as, you know, distribution is concerned and helping us open some more doors in the States. It's music is very interesting because unlike rodeo, if you stay on for eight seconds and you do that consistently, you're going to win belt buckles. Mm-hmm. You're, you're like if you if, if you're, you're a team roper and, and and you just keep and you just keep doing it a quicker time quicker time quicker time you, you're you're gonna get make money and you're gonna win championships in the music business there are so many people i know and respect that have not gotten the shot that they deserve simply because of this outside influence or subjective BS. And I'm not jaded because I, I understand that this is just the game. But I was really close to a record deal, um, really close to a record deal with um, Big Machine Records. And they were courting me and we had some great, great conversations. And I thought that it was going to happen. And then they ended up saying, we're not going to sign you. And of course, I'm disappointed and crushed. And they said, you know what, we just can't and we don't have the bandwidth right now because we just signed another Brett. And we just can't have the confusion of launching two Bretts at the same time. Of course, Brett Young and they can't have a Brett Kissel. So I'm sitting back here thinking, so that's the that's that's the only reason. Like I, I'm trying to dig a little bit deeper. I have my management dig a little bit deeper. Because there's lots of other Chris's out there. There's Chris Jansen, Chris Lane, Chris Young. There's, you know, was it something else? You know, there was a Tracy Bird and a Tracy Lawrence. You know, there's a John Connolly and a John Denver and a Johnny Cash. Like, you know, what what is it? But you never know. And then they don't call back. And and so there's that frustration. Um, you know, I was really close to a record deal with Warner Brothers uh, Nashville um, early in my career to the point that it was like, you are going to have a deal, call your parents and celebrate. So that's what I do. I call my parents, call my grandparents. My wife and I were hugging each other. Like we just got married, just moved to Nashville. Wow. And then the trail just kind of went cold because four of the five people that make the decision at, at that time in that business loved what I did, but their policy, they need unanimous. And one of the five was like, I just don't see it. So that was it. One of the five said, I just don't see it. So I had 80% of the vote, but not 100% of the vote. So it's, I mean, there's nothing you can do. So what is it going to take for certain artists to get to that point in Nashville? Sometimes it's got to be a song that's just undeniable. Sometimes it's got to be a strategy that's undeniable. Sometimes it's got to be a manager that is going to go in and grab a record label by the scruff and say, sign this kid. Or sometimes it's just timing and God and luck and you just don't know. Because if you're a hockey player and you keep putting the puck in the net, you're going to do great. If you're an artist and you're the best singer, the best song, or the best guitar player, best entertainer, sometimes it doesn't mean anything. However, it's about your attitude. And I'm going to stay the course and I truly believe that I will get to my goals whether I'm lucky enough 
to fly there on a jet and get there in three hours, or whether I need to drive on a highway or take a putt putt 1960s John Deere tractor is going to take me 10 years to get from Edmonton <laughs> to Nashville, or if I have to freaking walk. As long as I'm going forward, I'm still winning. So that's what my mindset is. <clears throat> and along the way, I've been able to do some really cool things. So maybe I'm going to be 65 years old and I'm going to look back and say, I had a hell of a life. This is great. Got to do a lot of great things. It turns out that I ended up winning the game anyway. Maybe there is no winning. I don't know. Nor do I really care. I'm just going to keep walking forward because that's the business I chose. So I can keep putting the puck in the net every night and it may not happen for me to that degree, but does it really matter? I'm, I'm at that point now where it does, it doesn't matter. I'm so happy doing what I'm doing and if it comes or when it comes, it'll be that much sweeter. I want to want to ask about the music and, and the writing side of things and what's not what we hear on the radio and what doesn't make the cut, that kind of thing. How do you get to write exactly what you want to write or do you have to conform to how things sound on the radio or how, how does that, how does that fit as far as what you, what you do? I'm kind of curious about that. Yeah. Well, it's a great question. I think that you need to, you need to be conscious of what radio is playing and you need to be even more conscious about what your fans want. It doesn't mean you're selling out. It doesn't mean that you are, going to capitulate it means that you're aware and and garth and brad paisley play for their fan bases if you're faced with the choice of a song that is meaningful to you but you don't believe is relatable to anybody else it's probably not going to be a single <clears throat> because it's so deeply personal and it's just not relatable if you have a song that isn't that personal to you but it's just super relatable and really fun. You can have great success with that. But the real amazing part is when you have a song that's meaningful to you and relatable to everybody else. And you put those two together and now you've got a really impactful hit song. So it's important for me as a writer to try and find those things so that I'm not just writing fluff because I, I can assure you that in pop music, um, songs by some of the biggest pop artists of the last, say, decade are writing a song that just sounds good in the club and good in the arena. Do we know what the song actually means? No. Does the singer really care what the song means? Often not. But pop music is fine with that, and these artists are fine with that because it's a great hit song, and they are giving their fans an escape, and that is their job. That is their rule. But in country music, it's still all about the story. So a guy like Eric Church, Stick That in Your Country Song, is a song that I truly believe that he deeply believes in and now is resonating with a lot of people on radio. Luke Combs, Beautiful Crazy, is written about his beautiful wife. So it's deeply personal, but everybody who loves their significant other loves that song too. Long Neck, Ice Cold Beer, Never Broke My Heart. It's kind of a fluffy song, but really impactful and really meaningful still. Luke Combs believes that. And it's also a giant hit. So that's where you got this great marriage. So I just try to write from that place. And if it's going to be deeply personal, people probably will never hear it. It's, it's about the right amount of personal 
and the right amount of relatability. I just I want to get it in this point about uh, a few good <clears throat> stories. You you mentioned stories, and that that's I that's my favorite song of yours, and it's the probably one of the most recent or the most recent. That I I'm a big fan of that song, and and teaming up with Walk Off the Earth for the video, which is hilarious too with your dogs and everything like i got i gotta gotta get into that a little bit too well thanks i love that song a few good stories was a great uh, fun song and a tempo song that has it was meant for the live show but also if you go down the lyric list now and i didn't write this song it's written by red akins ben hayslip and chris stevens who are three songwriting heroes of mine but it is as if they wrote it for me I'm going to put a few scratches on this old guitar and I changed the lyric. I'm going to drink some deuce vodka and smoke a Cuban cigar. Like, <laughs> like, I mean, that that's me to a T. I mean, I, there's never been a song that's been more the fun side of me. And so I think that really came out in the music video and it also came out on radio. And that's why I think people really liked it. What, what was songs like? So kind of, your last comment kind of spurred this new question with like you said that it was wrote by some th- external writers. Do you get songs pitched to you by other guys and you can be like, Hey, like I can add this to it or, or, or how does that process work? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Garth and George Strait are, are, are the Kings of this. I mean, George Strait only recently started writing songs that he recorded. Um, Garth, you know, wrote a bunch of great songs, but didn't write friends in low places or the dance, but he did write, you know, I think much younger feel as damn old and if tomorrow never comes or unanswered prayers. So, I mean, still an incredible artist. And if you can find hit songs that are written by other people that really fit with what you want to say and what you want to tell your fan base and what your fan base has come to expect from you, um, that's a wonderful situation to be in. And so I'm, uh, I'm really grateful that I've been able to, you know, cut some great outside songs like drink about me i didn't write but three two one That's I, did great. Write. I, I like that song. Uh, a few That's good, good stories one. yeah thank you you know i didn't write that but i wrote tough times the less tough people do you know so i'm proud of my catalog did you did you write um the i saw for your new album like this morning having coffee with her i think that's what it's called or coffee with her or uh, whatever. No, i love that song it's great thank you you know my wife loved that song too and um that song was was pitched to me because the songwriters had said like we just don't know if anybody would ever cut this song, but we think that you would because, you know, of your relationship with Cecilia and how much you love Johnny Cash. And I was able to essentially craft that as my own story. And it's interesting. If, if you hear the original demo of this George Strait song, once he gets it into the studio, he, it really takes on a life of its own. And so it's my job as an artist and entertainer to do that as well. Or sometimes, like in the case of Coffee with Her, don't mess with a good thing. It was meant to be acoustic. It was meant to be stripped down. It was meant to be intimate. So keep that song like that. We've got a couple more things here before we wrap up. I want to know what music you're listening to. What do you listen to on a daily basis? Or what do you and your favorite to? Garth Brooks song? <laughs> uh, favorite Garth song is Colin Baton Rouge. And I listen pretty much exclusively to uh, three genres. Genre number one, traditional country 60s 70s 80s 90s i just love everything from garth and george Strait and alan jackson to um i mean johnny cash marty robbins farron young glenn campbell buck owens merle haggard i just love that stuff the second genre i listen to is like 70s rock eagles ccr um all those great 
hits that have defined music history. I love those songs. And the third genre is whatever my kids are listening to because <laughs> they take over Amazon Alexa all Moana, the time. Lilo and Stitch, oh, Little Mermaid. I know every <laughs> single Disney song, Frozen, <laughs> Into the Unknown, <laughs> and every Moana song, every Little Mermaid song, Under the Sea, and The Lion King, and now Cars, and everything. Hercules, so, banger soundtrack. Yes, banger <laughs> soundtrack is right. <laughs> Do you, how do you how do you consume music? Do you do it like via streaming services, or are you a vinyl guy? Or are you like how what, what how does that work for you? Yeah, I got I got a really great uh, giant vinyl desk, like those big things that you know your grandma used to have in <laughs> yeah, the basement. Yeah, my grandma used to have one. And yeah. so I uh, I'm getting into that. So and I've got so many vinyl records, um, thousands of them, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm I'm a collector, and so I've been listening to a lot of vinyl. I will pour myself a good drink on a weekend uh, or on a, after a hard day's work, selling vodka or writing country songs. And <laughs> I, well, I'll just listen, I'll get lost in a, in a Glenn Campbell record and like Galveston or Wichita lineman. Or, um, and I feel I get closer to my one set of grandparents who's passed away and uh, you know, can kind of get closer to um, the legends. If I listen and try to think about what they must've been thinking when they were standing at the microphone and, performing you know these big hit songs it's such a cool way to listen to music I, I just recently got into vinyl over the holidays and i've like really really grown to enjoy it i picked up uh the urban cowboy soundtrack and marty robbins greatest oh, hits yeah. in the farmer's market last weekend like just some absolute finds of records it's, it's so cool they just listen them front to back too and it's awesome yeah and when when people come over and, and you have a visit it's i think it just makes the evening better instead of a bose speaker popping you know with with the latest stuff from you know whoever you know, playing this old vinyl of, of like you said, Marty Robbins or uh, looking for love and all the wrong <laughs> yeah. places. Like that, what a great song. Um, and that whole, and that whole album is like outstanding, like just stacked with great songs. So it's fun. I, I'm glad it's, it's fun it, to get into. Class. And even, a lot of the new stuff sounds good too. Like I got some Eric Church albums and I even had, I just got Miranda Lambert's latest album on vinyl and it sounds like so much better. It's, it's crazy how better, much better of an experience it is. Yeah, I, I, I love vinyl and I'll send you, uh, that was one of the things with my label, as I said, I want to make sure that each one of my records actually does come out on vinyl. Oh, nice. Um, so I'll, I'll send you, I'll send you both uh, if you've got a record player. Make sure you I'll sign it. Both, uh, my catalog, <laughs> I'd love to. Yeah, I, yeah. I'm going to make a note here. I'll Hell yeah, that's sure. awesome, man. I'll add we, both. Good fit in my collection. Before we uh, wrap it up here, Brett, I, we got to get into the Deuce Vodka story. So you're at one of the last shows in Moose Jaw, of all places. Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan. That's where I was born. Represent. Wacy's birthplace. Nice. <laughs> you uh, have a meeting with uh, with Matt Doucette and Kelsey Hule about the vodka. Because so, uh, Matt's a, 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 he has a distillery in uh, Big River, right? Big River, Saskatchewan. Yeah. So so they you guys have a meeting in, in, uh, in Moose Jaw. And then here becomes the next step with, with Deuce, Deuce Vodka. Tell us the story. So yeah, when one door closes, another one opens. In January, um, Matt had sent me a DM on Instagram and said, hey, you know, Deuce Vodka is interested in sponsoring you. And um, I really judged a book by its cover. I, I looked at you know, maybe some other followers and, and stuff like that. And I had done a bunch of national things with JP Weisers and Longshot Wine. And um, I said, hey, you know what? Send me, send me some data, send me some information. Um, maybe what your budget is, what your expectations are from me. And I do a lot of that myself, like on my own Instagram and, 
and uh, to have that personal touch. And so he sent me a bunch of things and I was, I was impressed by the numbers. Um, but I, again, like I judged the book by its cover and I didn't really think too much about it until March rolls around. And I still was not even watching the news or paying attention to COVID-19 or the coronavirus, you know, coming to Canada or anything. So I'm on the road with Brad Paisley and Matt said, hey, are you going to be in Saskatchewan anytime soon? Actually, I'm going to be in Moose Jaw um, on Friday. Why don't you come down? And I didn't realize at the time the Big River is here and Moose Jaw <laughs> is way south. <laughs> so it would be like, you know, me telling someone in Fort McMurray, yeah, I've got a concert in Lethbridge. Why don't you come and pay me a visit? <laughs> so, but he did. He and Kelsey drove down and they brought down some juice vodka. And, and with my family having the, you know, the Ukrainian Polish heritage, I, I mean, I, I've kind of always consumed vodka straight. It's always been something that we would have as a shooter. It's always something that my grandpa drank straight. Exactly. (laughs) And my grandpa's got a saying in his broken English. Oh, what? You know, you wake up in the morning, you wash your face, wash your hands. Why not wash your heart? So we'd have a shot of vodka (laughs) and go go out and feed cows. So so I tried this vodka and it was extremely smooth. And I'm like, how do you get rid of the bite? Like, Why does this not smell like rubbing alcohol? And why does this taste so good? And he said, well, it's because we do this and because we do that. And I put a lot of care and attention into this and I do it this way. And I was just fascinated by it. <clears throat> and on a whim, I said, I don't think I want to be sponsored by you guys. I'd like to partner with you guys instead. He said, that's actually would be even better for us. And so we, we brokered a deal and my wife and I, with Matt and Kelsey became 50-50 partners and Juice Vodka and <clears throat> the world shut down oh, that the next night. Day. Yeah, that yeah. day. <laughs> and I thought to myself, how lucky I, am I that there's this opportunity to put all of my marketing ideas and entrepreneurial spirit behind in this new product to Juice Vodka. And it turns out that all of the contacts and the connections that we had built through the years through music, music and booze go hand in hand. So <laughs> we now have great opportunities. And within our first 45 days, we're, we're in 200 stores. We're now in 300 stores. We're going to be in the co-ops so that you guys can, you know, go and support your, your co-ops that you love in Calgary. And we're going to be everywhere across Alberta here, hopefully by the end of the year. And we feel very, very lucky to have a product that we that we believe in. And we know, like, if you put it up against whatever your current favorite vodka is, that we really are going to stand a chance. Or at least be, if that's not available on the shelf, you're going to go to us. If not, we'll beat it. And we love our price point. <clears throat> like, we're, we, we're very happy with how things are going. And now other provinces are asking us to come to BC and come to Manitoba and come to Nova Scotia and we could be across Canada in the next two years. And nice. that's, that's huge for us. Why? If Ryan Reynolds can do it, why can't we? <laughs> <laughs> that's where the bull riding commercial comes in. Cause you can do a funny yeah. spin on it. Like, like the aviation gin commercials. <laughs> well, guys, if we, if we write that, that plot, that, that storyline can happen together. Um, <clears throat> yeah. And how, how great, how great would it be if I, I'd, I'd, I'd love to, I, I would love to hundred percent. Well, We'll we'll make it happen. We can do that. That, that. that would be great. I I got For some sure. ideas for that. Would make it's it awesome. On. Be fun to sell. 
Uh, Wasey, we got one more question. We better. Okay, uh, I have a. I can I like I have a few things I want to ask before we get. <laughs> ask, like, I just sure. been, yeah, make give sure her. Brett's all right. Okay, good. okay. So the the first one I want to ask is like considering your Ukrainian heritage. Have you ever played the the Pasenka days in Vegreville? Oh, of course, yeah. And I played Man, the Glendon Fogie days as well. So fun. Oh yeah. My, my aunt and uncle live there and I got to take part in the festivities around the time, like the midnight pierogies and Kubasa is like probably my favorite midnight lunch of all time. <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's the best lunch. When I did my first album called keeping it country, um, we sold out the Glendon hall because it was $10 for the show. And you got a pierogi dinner after the show. <laughs> that's, oh, that's, 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 that's token like North central Alberta. Oh, exactly. That's awesome. Yeah, still, still to this day. I mean, Monday, Aaron Stanichi's sausage and their Kubasa and Vegreville and their Pasenka days. Yeah, I've, I've played Pasenka days many times. That's awesome. Um, uh, one other thing I wanted to ask was about uh, you've obviously done a lot of the anthems for the hockey stuff lately, and you're getting some trolls on Twitter. I think it was over the World Juniors when you sang the the like the French verse of the anthem. I remember seeing someone tweeting at you like saying you ruined the anthem and stuff. Like, how do you handle the the Twitter trolls and Instagram trolls of the world? It's, I loved your response. It was such a great way to get back at the, at the guy. It was awesome. Yeah, well, tw- Twitter's the worst, really. Like, it's just, <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong, man. It's every every like there's. 90% of what you read on Twitter is negative and 10% is positive. So I'm on Twitter because it's, it's good to at least get my music out there. But yeah, these, some of these guys got nothing better to do than come at me because I sing French in, in the anthem. I mean, and this is, this is team Canada. That's how it's supposed Number to be so. one, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a nationwide mandate to sing the anthem bilingually. I think it's a great honor that how cool are we as a country that we have two official languages and which is which is an amazing thing, and uh, and I was honored to I was honored to sing it, and maybe that's why I get some of these cool gigs is because I have no fear of the anthem, and and I'm able to sing it by, bilingually. So anybody like some some guys like oh you ruined the anthem I'm like, dude you clearly don't know anything <laughs> about our, about our heritage our history and about the song. You can sing it all in French, you can sing it all in English, or you sing them both together. Like, what, what are you talking about? Like, wh- why does this concern you? Like, why are you triggered by this? And I, I sometimes just feel sorry for these people that they're triggered yeah. by this. <laughs> they have nothing so better like, to do with their day. Yeah, whatever. Okay, second last, <clears throat> second last thought. How do you compare the vibe of, like, seeing the, old, the, the national anthem at, like, you know, whether it's playoff game or the World Juniors as compared to, like, opening a big show? Like, is it, do you have the same kind of feel of energy or is it different kind of vibes that way? Yeah, they're, to me, they're completely different because when you're doing a show, everybody is there to see you. So when you're doing a show, you've got everybody in the palm of your hand and your job is to take everybody on a journey through the highs and the lows of the songs that you sing. And if it's a wild night at Cowboys at Calgary during the stampede, you are there to cap off their night or to elevate their weekend and make that year-long memory that you're going to be talking about for the next year till next stampede. So that's my job in that moment, or if someone buys a ticket to see me in a theater, I'm there to entertain, I'm there to make you think, I'm there to make you cry, I'm there to make you laugh, I'm there to entertain you. That's what I, that's my job for two hours. When I'm doing an anthem, my job is very simple. Sing the song well, sing it fast, get your ass off the ice, drop the <laughs> puck, play hockey. That like literally, no yeah, one is yeah. there for me. No. Everybody's there to watch Oilers or the Flames or Team Canada. 
So all these singers that make it about them and they're like, I've got two minutes to put my stamp on the album, uh, the, the anthem. Well, first, don't do that. The anthem is so, supposed to be sung one way. So don't, don't go crazy with this. I, I, I can't stand that. It's mm -hmm. not a three-minute song. It's a 60-second song. Sing it well. Sing it fast. Get off the ice and let's play hockey. That's awesome. That I, funny. I just remembered. I have one of your guitars at my house here. I I got really oh, ambitious I, at the. I got really ambitious at the uh, beginning of the pandemic. Like oh, I'm gonna learn how to play guitar. So I put a note on Facebook, and one of my friends uh, messaged me, and she was like, "Yeah, I got this this guitar I got from Brett Kissel concert. He threw it in the threw it in the like must you must have thrown it in the crowd or somehow she got it. She's like, it's got a broken string, but you, if you give me a case of beer, you can have it. And I was like, okay, sweet. So I went and picked up this, awesome. like this guitar of yours. So I, I grab, it's in the corner of my school <laughs> gavicle. If you give me a case of beer. <laughs> <laughs> what a what a better way that guitar is worth way more than way more than 34 dollars you're gonna have to tell awesome. us the story of this thing now what this is this is you awesome. know what for me i i don't know i don't know how to play this thing at all so but i, just, it's I mean it'll be a gibson epiphone yeah yeah nice it did i sign it at the bottom um i don't know it's, no i didn't sign it i'll have to catch you next time you're in town absolutely <laughs> Okay, well, I mean, it's I, I so funny. Yeah, because I was like, I had super ambitious <laughs> to learn how to play guitar. And I was like, yeah, I got Breath Kiss Kisses guitar. I'm going to be so good. And I think well, you play strong, been... strong G. Hey, well, hey, good. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's all you need to know. Uh, you can do like oh, yeah. Everly did. Everly started a couple of years ago. Now the guy's an amazing guitar player. Like, he actually sang on a few good stories that song. Like, so got oh, really? the sun, wind in my sails. Like, he sang it all. Yeah. That's oh, it's cool how like how talented some of those guys are. Like even Matt Duchesne, he was singing with the James Barker man one time, wasn't he? Yeah, those. But but now now that Ebbs actually has now this new level of talent, it actually really bothers me because he's <laughs> because he's got the talent on the ice. He makes six million dollars for the New York Islanders, and 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 he's also a good guitar player. Like leave me come on, man. just one thing <laughs> come on dude like come on man that's Holy. funny all right brett man this has been great uh we're gonna finish her up with the last question we ask all of our guests what is your definition of cowboy shit well i think we talked about it the dust up and dewberry <laughs> you know <laughs> to me to me it's the stories it's the stories of life it's the stories of culture whether whether you've been in rodeo all your life or you're just getting into it right now whether you're a sponsor whether you or a competitor, uh, whether you you own two horses or you're the Franklin Rodeo stock, it doesn't matter. We're, we appreciate each other. And the best part of the day sometimes isn't the rodeo. It's having a couple beers in the hotel, a couple beers in the RV, or going to the rodeo dance and bullshitting. That's cowboy shit right there. That's, that's my favorite thing about rodeo culture. So that's my definition. Love it. Thanks for doing this show with us today, Brett. Again, uh, I'm Ted Sullivan. He's Wacey Anderson, our guest today. Canadian country music superstar, Brett Kissel. Thanks for being on the show. We sure appreciate you taking the time to bullshit with us on uh, cowboy shit. Thanks again. Yeah. Thanks, guys. I appreciate Get it. Your deuce we'll yeah. Yeah. Get your Deuce Vodka. Yeah. Yeah. Deuce Vodka, wherever wherever your vodka is sold in your area. We're going to be Canadian-wide, hopefully, the next couple of years. And listen to Brett's music wherever you get your music. And uh, make sure to buy those real records and buy the... Uh, Check out brettkissel.com, deucevodka.com. Uh, appreciate, appreciate it again, Brett. This has been awesome. I appreciate it. Thanks, guys. See you later.
I've got bottles and bottles stacked to the ceiling. I get stoned for survival. It helps with the healing. And when it all goes to hell, the only thing I believe in is we whiskey and really. Yeah, okay. I heard your microphone pump. That's what was going on. Oh, it's my fault. Yeah. I, yeah, oh, I heard a big shit. bump and I was like, I was oh, trying to wait. Oh, I, I see how wait. it is. Okay. All right. Did you think I fucked up? Is that what you think happened? I think you just choked on your word or something. No, I, I just went to oh, start. I just oh, went to start yeah. and then I heard your oh, mic get bumped. Yeah, it was like, yeah, yeah. Okay. Like, yeah. And then oh, it for sure. A bunch. Yeah, that's it. Totally. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah. Wait, no, hey, man. Yeah. Hey. And now here I am still totally. waiting to try and start. <laughs> I'm just waiting for you to start, man, but someone's <laughs> playing the blame game here. <laughs> We are back. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Episode 84 of Cowboy Shit, oh, Ted and Wasey. I'm Ted. He's Wasey. Thanks Howdy. for uh, thanks for listening to the show. Appreciate you checking us out on these cool winter days, probably you think, wherever you are in the world. Do you think that right anybody now? is... Sorry to interrupt you, um, but do you think that anybody has... Anything important. <laughs> uh, listen to every... All 84 episodes? Oh, yeah, have, for Like sure. a dedicated listener? For sure. There's for sure people that have 100%. I know it's not. I want to send a special shout out to those people. <laughs> yeah. Whoever you are, we love you. That's sick. Thanks for listening. They, I bet there's people that have listened to every show and they bought merchandise too. So they're real MVPs. The real fans. Your yeah. OG fans, true fans. Appreciate oh, we still you. Have our, uh, we still have our contest with Foley with the hats too. We still got to get that done. We got to drop that. Yeah. Yeah. Got to get that going here. One of these days. Probably a good call to do it in the, win- the winter time. And then we've got our, we've got some new merch coming out too. Actually, I forgot to mention that. It'll Teasing be, uh, it. It, it's already starting to hit some shelves in some stores and we're going to release it online in March. So there's some new stuff out there. Go check out your local store. See if, uh, see what they've got. Shop uh, local baby. Yeah. A bunch of new hats hitting the shelves. New, uh, three new, ho- three new sweaters, two hoodies, one sweater, uh, a couple new t-shirts, some cool shit. So check nice. it out. That's going to be awesome. Good way to start off the new, the new year. Exactly. And some uh, new spring cowboy shit fashion. I also have a new hat. I don't even have a sample of yet, Wacy, but I've, I've got an idea for it. So there's the like the hat like you're wearing right now, the golf hat. Mm-hmm. There's a green version, and I'm gonna put I want to put either yellow or gold writing on it, so it'll be the Nakem. Like it'll be like the Saskatchewan green and yellow. Not yep, I love it. With the green, like with the green and the rope. The Nakem's where they make them, baby. Right. So that's gonna be, <laughs> but I I wanted to clear it with you first to make sure that was a Wacy hat. That, that yeah, man, that's that sweet. Work. That's the color of our team, our hockey teams. Yeah, green and yellow. I thought it'd be yeah, decent. Love so it, I gotta man. get that one. Big I get fan. that one ordered. That'll get the Nakem like on tap. That'll be like a May, June, maybe July kind of release, like a summer hat. Hell yeah. So yeah, check out the new stuff though. Make sure that we got lots of the first rounds of merch online, still cowboyshit.ca. Appreciate everybody buying, supporting your local stores, getting out doing that. So Thanks again mm. for that. Stay tuned to the channels for when the new stuff drops so you yeah, can grab exactly. it while it's hot. Exactly. We had another question too uh, from that was kind of going around our group chat the other day. And that was from, I don't know who said it first, Sean or who was it? Or Foley? About the, well, I, I, I said that was a thing we should ask Brett. And Brett then Sean. Kissel. Yeah. And then Sean oh, carried yeah. it into like our group. But it's whatever. It's one of those. Yeah. Yeah. But so, so who is the most famous person in your phone? Well, I'm just going to, I'm thinking about it. The the first uh, one that comes to mind has got to be Ron McLean. Um, yeah, that's a pretty big one, eh? That was pretty cool. And then Corb, <laughs> probably Corb, two, Ned Ledoux, um, and then Chris Russell, too, maybe. 
that'd probably be top few that I can think of. Mm. Did it come to mind first? Like I might have another one in my phone, but I, but I, um, but I've never really talked to the person or something. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Where those guys have talked to them all at different times. For sure. What about you? Um, mine are ne not nearly on that same level. That's for sure. But the, like, the most famous would be Mike, Mike Commodore for sure. Oh, yeah. Kami, you got, Kami's, Kami's a big, digits. big contact of mine. Digits. Good fellow. And then Craig Button is another the, yeah. for people who don't know who he is. He's a, like a former GM in Dallas and Calgary, I think. And then he's a TSN analyst now. So that's my fame claim to fame. People well, on my phone. I guess I should mention that too. Chris Russell plays for the Oilers. And then Corbin, Ned, and Ron have all been on the show. So if you mm -hmm. don't know who they are, go check them out. Listen to the show. Hopefully yeah, we get Chris on here sometime. Yeah, we've talked about it a couple times. Just haven't got it uh, have, haven't got mm -hmm. it done yet. But mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know who else to. Oh, Billy Epbauer. That's kind of cool in the rodeo. That's kind of neat. That's uh, then Jess Lockwood. That that is neat. I didn't know I had Billy's number. I forgot I did a story with him one time. Uh, or talk to, I don't know what I talked to him for now, but mm -hmm. something that was kind Colt, of cool. You have Coulter Wall on your phone still, too, don't you? Oh, yeah, yeah, that's kind of a big deal, I guess. Uh, dude, how oh, about man. K Bonner man. Bolton? How about Bonner Bolton? That's a big deal, too, isn't it? Yeah, he's, he's like a super, kind of a, super, he's a supermodel, he's a super mm -hmm. model, literally. Actually. Yeah, dude, how about like Morgan Wallen getting canceled? Yeah, I don't, I never really paid much attention. That's to that crazy guy, so. stuff, dude, man. Like, Can't he's really such an idiot, but it's wild. Really hopefully, hopefully, that kind of like spearheads the transition to giving guys more like uh coulter wall and the childers of the world that'd be great a bit more of the limelight more of the limelight well speaking of that too that was one thing that i uh that was one thing that i asked brett about that i was kind of curious and like we've had guys like ned and corb on the show and then coulter and like those three aren't in the on the radio like they aren't the mainstream guys that mm -hmm. kissel is and i wonder like if a guy has to sell his soul to be able to be on the radio and if it's, mm -hmm. if it's worth it, I don't, I don't know sometimes, right? Like when the money now is made in the, in the live shows, is it worth, you know, doing everything you have to do to be on the radio? I, I kind of mm -hmm. wanted to ask that, but I didn't know how to really yeah. do it the right way. You well, know, I, th like, I think that like Coulter and those other guys are a good example of it. even Corb, right? Like mm -hmm. they get a lot, generate a lot of their following via their social channels and then their live shows obviously do great. And their music is, is what people are looking for. I mean, it's, I think it's still very niche in that sense, but um, yeah, I, I think yeah, there's got to be some extent where you got to like follow like unwritten rules or follow the rules. And I think that's why you get a lot of the the pit, the jacked up trucks and Dixie cups and <laughs> lyrics and songs and the, the bro country that kind of what Brett touched on in that sense. But yeah, well, and even, I mean, I don't know what to say on that. Like the, mm -hmm. it's one of those things too. I, I, I don't understand like, the people who are so like defensive of it on the other end of the spectrum. They're like, Oh, if you listen to this, like this isn't real country and all this kind of stuff. It's like, I don't know. Like if, if I like it, I'm going to listen to it. Like, why should I get a pee pee slap? If you think that it's not real country or whatever, I, I get, there's such a divide on, I see a lot of it on Twitter and stuff too. It's just like, who cares? Like I, it's not, it doesn't affect you in any way. What music I listen to. Music is so subjective. I, I also sure, have yeah. a tough time playing music at events and pleasing everyone. There's, People say you did a good job, but then like I did a good job, but then I'll get feedback where I got to play more of this or got to play more of that and mm -hmm. try to appeal to more people. And with music being sub so subjective, it's very challenging to get the right mm -hmm. mix every time because I'm always going to piss somebody off because I'm going to play something. They don't know what it is and they don't like it, but I it's they might not like it, but somebody else might like it. So mm -hmm. it's yeah, it's fucking hard. And it's, it's tough. Yeah, it's tough sledding like 
Well, even like you compare, like say you're doing music at an event in like Kindersley. Yeah. Or like you're doing a, so an event in Quebec Calgary City. or you're doing yeah. a PBR event in at Ranchman's, right? Like it's going to yeah, be a completely different, different vibe. You're going to have people wanting to listen to something like different things, but yeah, I don't know. I think you, like, yeah, there's no way you're going to keep everybody happy in that aspect. Even like being a DJ at a bar, like you're never going to oh, keep yeah. everybody happy. Like it's so, yeah, like you said, subjective, like it's a good way to put it. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody yeah, has think, an opinion about music. Yeah. But I think that like, <laughs> by covering a broader spectrum, like in the case of like playing music at events, I think you're doing a better job of like catering to the masses of your fans. Like, cause like there might be a young person, in the fan who might love if you're playing a current song that you're playing yeah, or, and then they'll love it. But then the older person, a couple seats down may hate it, but then you flip flop, you play like an old rock song and they the might young like person it. may not be liking it as much, but the old person is like, Hey, this is more my style. So it's, yeah. I think by, you're covering more of your audience more bases. by keeping Where? a variety than just like sticking to one train. Right. One thing that I work to do is to really bring in the new, uh, like I want to see some of the new electronic and like some of the stuff on the radio, like the big hits. I really work to add those in. I think by doing that, it relates to the kids that are our age and younger that hear mm-hmm. those songs on the radio and being able to put our sport uh, with that connect music. The sport, yeah. Yeah. I think it can broaden our doors and that's where I'm at with that, where if I just play classic, 80s rock all the time it's mm. not gonna appeal it's it dull man because everybody's heard people. those songs like a hot, thousands of times like. and there's good parts to those songs mm-hmm. but i have to appeal to the new people in calgary that might be at their first event and they hear you know do a leap out of bull riding and it works with a bull ride or works with brinson or something it's a different thing where they can relate to it where mm. you know if i, I you'd be more one, likely to grab a new fan yeah, I think so. Where where if I just play, you know, what one thing that really is surprising sometimes is is the the people might find surprising is the lack of country music at a PBR event. But mm-hmm. I I find it hard to mix most country music with the action of bull riding when it's a pretty you know, pretty aggressive bone. Well, it's supposed to be high energy, high energy. like 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 yeah. a lot of tension that like there's supposed to be a lot of stuff involved with bull riding the drama you can't right? you can't deliver that with most country songs unfortunately no there i would almost rather than try and play an entire event in country i would rather have an orchestra where i could have the drama and have you know i'd rather have it scored like a movie mm-hmm. a dramatic western movie where we could build points of tension and, and have the peaks and valleys than just have country i'd have to really really work and dig deep to do that but there's yeah, I I never go to a country music song when I'm trying to build drama. It's just no. there's just never. I, well, I think I don't it's too songs, unfortunately, to, to make that. Yeah, and well, I think you can engage people more too, right? Like the biggest part of like any entertainment is pe- keeping people engaged. Yeah, and if you're like keeping the energy up with good music and keeping people involved, and they someone will hear something like, and they'll like really key in on what's happening. Mm-hmm. I feel like you're gonna grab like you can grab more fans and keep that attention span on the event itself. Or if you're just playing like. Might oh, be just, a little dirt, it's not on a bottle. People are just gonna like tune out and have their own conversation, right? Yeah, where where that's just more of background music, mm-hmm. which is what people might expect me to do usually. Where with with what with what we do at events, I have to change the mood in the building with what I play mm-hmm. for music. So mm-hmm. yeah, okay, that's our little dive deep on music. Kind of neat, for cool stuff. While. Hope you hope you guys enjoyed the conversation. Thanks for tuning in this week. Thanks again, Brett Kissel. Thanks to his management for getting us uh, getting us connected, getting us on the show. Appreciate his time, everybody's uh, efforts making it happen. Our editor, Sean Morton, graphics, design, merchandise all around. 
uh badass storm of foe kicking ass thank you don't Jeez. forget to get get your deuce vodka yeah buy his music cowboy shit buy your cowboy shit follow okay. us on so- social medias follow brett on social media social, follow brett tunes. buy the new and cowboy shit i wasn't trying to shit on his tunes yeah I, I use a lot of brett kissel stuff i appreciate being from canada I want to play Canadian stuff too. I have pages of Canadian music that I, I work to fit in all the time, all the time when I'm hmm. at these places and put my spin on it. So that's uh, another thing too. So thanks to all our Canadian country music artists for being part of the show numerous times and, and uh, you know, giving us some great content to use uh, at, at these events and keep on going people. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening. Thanks Wace. Next up 85. We've got our, uh, uh, Next guest coming up, it's it's CJ Box. He's going to be coming to us from uh, his home in Wyoming. But thanks again. This has been Ipsy 84, Cowboy Shit. Ted and Wasey. I'm Teddy's Wasey. Thanks for listening. Catch up with you guys next time.